All right, we're back with the Creator Club podcast. You're here with John Marsh. I hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for jumping in to another episode. If you're a coach or creative business owner on this podcast, we teach you the key skills to attract dream clients into your business. Learn to love your sales and selling process and grow your business with confidence. Okay, today we have a very cool conversation with Claire O'Hara, who is an artist based here in Newcastle, Australia. And this was a particularly cool conversation for me because last year we actually went out and got to see Claire's studio space and where she creates her art and how she does that. And then this year in May, Claire put on her first solo exhibition which was called zest and we went and checked that out and that was really cool very successful uh, amazing event and so in this conversation today we kind of fill in the backstory behind all of this how claire got into her career as an artist uh, her early upbringing in particular it was really interesting to hear about the early work ethic that was i guess sort of instilled in her, through her life, through her family. And then we find out about how Claire put together this exhibition and what went into that as well. And so if you're listening to this today and you know it doesn't matter if you're not an artist in inverted commas, right? In the typical sense of the work, word, think about your business, your work as art and tune in to, to listen to Claire's work ethic, to listen to how she sees, you know, uh, this this practice of producing, of creating. And then, you know, think about how that might apply to your work and your business and what that could do for you. Uh, there's a lot of insights in this one. Let's jump into it. You're here with John Marsh on the Creative Club podcast. Today, we're talking to Claire O'Hara. So I have always loved art from a really young age. And I think I've Basically, I'm one of the youngest of seven children and growing up, we were a very sportive, act, sporty and active family and we actually had a lock on our TV. So we were only allowed to watch the news and then it was locked again. So as much as I sort of despised my parents at the time for that decision, I'm very grateful when I look back at it because mm. it then encouraged a lot of creativity. It encouraged us all to be really active, embrace the outdoors. And yeah, we were, there was always a million kids around because there were seven of us plus friends and neighborhood, like the whole neighborhood would hang out at our house. Um, but so at a young age, I've always been really creative, making mud pies in the backyard when it rained and just silly things like that. Um, but one of my best friends growing up, her mum was an artist mm -hmm. and she, she was also one of six kids, my other, um, one of my best friends and her mum ran after school art classes in the garage and I came home one day and said, mum, can I go and do that? She's like, absolutely. So I was lucky to have supportive parents that were encouraging my creativity as well. Um, but yeah, I've always enjoyed art and always loved doing it and would always sort of be drawing or colouring and that was sort of just a little habits of mine growing up. I sort of fell away from that a little bit in high school and um, went sort of more down the, I guess, academic side mm. and, and path. Um, but then uh, when I left school, I was like, what next? 
Um, and I actually sat to do a fashion design scholarship and it was awarded that. And so then I'm like, well, makes sense. If I won this, why don't I go and study fashion design? Um, that was as far as my thoughts were. Like it's not as though I just decided I always wanted to be a fashion designer. I'm just like, well, I love fashion. I, I actually used to go to my grandmother's um, on weekends and we'd get really creative and she'd teach us to sew. And so I, I did love sewing. I did love being creative and using my hands. Um, but yeah, so that my past is, yes, I had, I knew I loved being creative. Um, and then I going through, I studied design and then went, fell into a fashion sort of agency and buying and designing clothing for wholesale brands mm-hmm. that would then put clothing into retail stores. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that path, but it was very like your creativity was limited you had Mm. to design you had parameters around what you could design for the particular client um so that's when I decided to my sister and I were traveling at the time and we're like let's just get back and start this little small line of a um we started with the handbag business and so we started our own fashion line and then we did so fashion accessories as well as a couple of women's clothing so we did that for a few years and did the hard slog of markets and manufactured everything. We designed everything. Wow. I actually handmade the patterns and cut you know, the samples. We'd actually outsource the manufacturing in the end, but I would always make the samples. Um, so I loved that path, but then it got really sort of overwhelming with how much work was involved. And um, I think I was used to from coming from a... A regular income which is the scary part mm. of you get this support system and you get in your head that you've got a regular salary and then all of a sudden you're reliant on your own um yeah work that then brings in your income and when we were re- assessing things yes we knew the first few years were going to be hard um but we weren't drawing down a salary and we still had mortgages to pay mm. we still had goals that we wanted to do in our own lives and then children came along as well so i'm like oh i made that decision at that time to pull away from fashion um then so yeah i've had many career paths i then went into um my family business are in hospitality And so I then went and worked with some of my brother's pubs and was in hospitality with them. And then my ex-husband now and I branched out and bought our own business up here in Newcastle, which brought me on the Newcastle journey and which was a pub up here. You were Sydney before that? Sydney before that, yeah. But um, yeah, bought a rundown really really run down pub which excited me and that's I guess where my creativity was then able to be um, utilized where I then got involved in all the interior makeovers of the pubs um, then even as far as branding them logos new uniforms like yeah. just really rebranding the whole pub to give a new image um, so that we started with the one pub up here and that um, was successful so then we bought another pub and rolled out a similar plan and similar um you continued to own the pubs when they were operated yes after you did them up so you correct yeah you didn't flip them you just kept them kept them and we're operating them yeah um but very hands-on as well Mm. we were both very long hours late hours one of the pubs was um open till 3 a.m in the morning so late night trading and I think that's part of the demise of our my my past marriage and relationship that we just didn't have the time for each other. 
amongst a few other things, but we don't need to go into that. If you can't say anything nice, don't say it at all, is what my mum has always instilled in me. But um, yeah, so then we ended up having three pubs up here and renovating them all and doing them up and they were very successful businesses, trading well, great staff. Um, And then divorce hit and I'm like, I don't want to work with you anymore. Mm. Um, And it was a challenging part because they were your businesses become your little babies as mm. well so I had to say goodbye to these businesses that I'd built um, but I guess on one on a, on a positive note that we had built them up to be successful thankfully and I was able to then sit back for a little bit of time and work out what next with yeah. a little bit of cash in my pocket to yeah. rather than be completely die straights and you know, not knowing where I was going to sleep at night, I was comfortable to be able to sit back and work out what next. Um, so yeah, out of pubs, then I sort of fell into interior decorating and fitting out a few other pubs that, because people had approached me saying, I see, I saw what you did at your venues, can you help me? Mm. And sort of very organically fell into renovating a few pubs up here. And then, um, yeah, started to do art just for my own interest and wanted to do a bit of um, art to fill my own walls and then people, friends would come over and be like, I love that, can you do one for me? And it very much organically grew from there. And um, I've had the challenge of working out whether, like, yes, I wanted to do art, but also very mindful that I need to provide for myself. I am a mother, a single mother of three children that I need to, you know, pay bills, feed, mortgages still need to happen. Mm. And at the very, at that point in my life, I was like, how am I going to do this from art? And I I think I didn't believe in my art. Um, And when I look back, I don't, I'm not proud of the art I produced four years ago. I look at it, I'm like, oh, I can tell I did that four years ago because I've grown a lot when you practice something. Mm. Not practice makes perfect, practice makes progress. And um, yeah, I've progressed a lot in four years. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many things that jumped up because I'm interested in, one, the thing that stands out is like the work ethic. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that you sort of spoke on specifically, but even from the TV lock and this this sort of feeling that you get listening to you share your story is around like you were producing things like all the time, doing things, doing things, producing. And it was, you know, you mentioned that you fell into the next thing. But, uh, you know, part of you was must have been seeking that or or just innately driven to to create things and produce them uh is there anything versus you know a lot of people don't have that you know a lot of people uh they maybe want to do the thing but the the deeper drive to just create or like to work uh, may not be instilled do you did that come from when you were young like in in a family like a big family was that something that you think was that early Um, definitely. Yes. Um, I had my parents as beautiful role models that have always instilled in us. Nothing comes easy in life. You Mm. have to work at, um, you never handed anything. So you have to work hard to achieve your goals and anything is able to be achieved as long as you are determined and motivated and, 
um, yeah, apply yourself. Mm. Uh, actually, there's a saying that my grandma used to say, you have to be mad in life, motivated, applicated and dedicated and you can achieve anything. Yeah. Um, and she also used to say, um, Rome wasn't built in a day because I always want to do things yesterday. Um, and she's like, slow down, Claire, things can get done, but Rome wasn't built in a day. You have to just keep building on it. Basically. Were they biz- in business as well, your grandparents? Yeah, so um, my grandmother... Her husband, so my dad's dad, um, sadly passed away in the war, was shot down in war, and um, dad actually never got to meet his dad. He was still, um, yeah, in my grandmother's tummy. But um, my dad, so my grandmother was a widow, and so she had some, I believe, some funding from the, um, like some support. Like the service. Yeah, from the service to then support her for a period of time and dad through school and everything um but then she realized you know she needed to provide she was a single mother to my dad um and she then went on and she was a legal secretary secretary and then she went on and studied law as well so she became a lawyer um later on in life and then my dad also was a lawyer and went down that path and had his own legal practice as well um so yeah i think i've had my parents like my dad extreme, uh, mum and dad, but dad extremely hardworking in a business sense and in a way, yeah, setting great examples of work hard and, you know, you can achieve a lot. Um, but in another, on another level as well, I guess, setting somewhat an example of like working so hard, which I get having to care for seven children and provide for them. But um, working so hard that he wasn't necessarily around mm. and mum did everything. Mm. Like dad would walk in the door sort of 8 o'clock at night after big days. Um, everything's done. And, yeah. you know, dinner's done. Kids have been fed, taken to all their sports. You see them for a few minutes before bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I respect you know, and realise that he had to do that. And, and very much later on in life when businesses were set up and his and his legal practice was set up and he employed other people who was able to step back a lot more and very engaged on weekends it would just be all about the kids and Mm. a very yeah beautiful like my mum and dad are both still around and it's still a big part of my life yeah yeah yeah. it's so interesting to go back over you know the the story I think just is so important and it, it always is always different for each person right but you know two generations of people with a big work ethic and you know you talked about uh hospitality Mm -hmm. i remember growing up i had a good friend and his parents uh owned some restaurants and were chefing in the restaurants and the i remember like seeing it because i'd go hang out after school and just the work that they would put in to succeed in it was just insane like it's not like it's you know nine to five or even whatever eight till seven it just keeps going yeah uh so yeah it seems like it's been a thread all the way through which is really powerful and so i'm interested when you you know this tipping point of like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go from doing this one thing over here into uh i'm reading a gene simmons book he was you know from kiss and he talks about this concept of uh, i invented myself And he basically is like, you know, he didn't like his name. He changed it. He didn't like his accent. He changed it. And you can do anything you want. And he invented Kiss, the whole, like the whole thing. And, you know, when you went, all right, I'm going to go into this art thing and I'm going to have a crack. 
Um, how did you do that? And what, like, what did that look like, that period in your life, you know, in terms of practically, did you just start painting in your house more? I know you have a space now that you work from. What did that whole shift look like? And how did you really convince yourself on that new recreation of yourself, I guess, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, good question. So when, yeah, when I was painting more um I just felt a really great energy around it and loved to be creative um and people it was more so friends giving you the boost of confidence going I love that Mm. and you know can we buy one for a friend as a gift and I was like oh you like it oh like it's you know I thought it was okay but when other people start to I guess reinforce that I was like oh okay it's I do okay work um, but yeah, well then when I started to paint more, I remember the very first painting I sold was, I sold for a very bargain price cause I didn't value my time or didn't think highly enough of my work. Um, and anyway, I have since then learnt that I need to, if I'm going to treat this as a business, I need to actually cost everything out and art supplies aren't cheap. Framing's not cheap. Some of my big framing um, pieces uh, just to get the frame done is sort of six, seven hundred dollars. Mm. Uh, so then I'm like, I need, and people don't, I guess, understand that unless you're in the art world. They're like, oh, gee, that's expensive. Mm. Why are you charging a couple of thousand dollars for a painting? I'm like, my supplies alone are about fifteen hundred of the big canvas, the big frame, let alone all the materials and the glazes and all that. Let alone, then factor in your time and yeah, and all your expenses of running a business and renting a space and all that. So I'm like, you actually have to start treating it like a business. And when I started to do that, which was mid, mid or end of last year is when I then got my own studio space and I'm like, okay, let's, let's do this and let's have a crack at it. And I think the minute I applied my energy to that completely, it has grown astronomically since then. Mm. Yeah. There's one concept that, I always find is interesting is like when you're starting something out and you meet someone, you, if you get an opportunity to meet people and then in the conversation, tell them what you do, mm. you're voicing like, you know, I'm clear, I'm an artist or some way, shape or form, maybe not that directly or whatever. And I know that you're like on your Instagram and social media, it's like Claire O'Hara art and you pump out a lot of like brand content and, this message that this is who I am, this is what I do is really strong. Like it's really clear when you decided to go all in sort of in the last year, early this year, were you thinking about that uh, positive reinforcement for yourself? Like, were you um, really doubling down on your messaging, your positioning around you being the artist now in order to help create that for yourself? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have done, yeah, as I've touched on, I've done many past lives of managing pubs, but not just managing, doing marketing and everything for them. Um, And then having my own former fashion business, had to market that, did, you know, runway shows, doing events, doing many different hats basically. Um, but yeah, so when I've read and done research into marketing, it's, uh, when, and not all brands are the same, but when you can be the face of your business, if it works for your business, 
um, then people can have a very emotional connection to that and people like to see that. So I have sort of integrated that as, yeah, the basis to then put all my socials out that Mm. are me creating the art and pictures and videos of me actually painting or why I'm inspired to do something and just the sharing the process of making um I have had feedback that people love seeing that Mm. and especially when I did the time lapse videos of a painting from start to finish they're like wow like it's amazing to see it unfold and I even love I think I follow a, a hell of a lot of people on socials and then when I like something of someone else's I'm like oh great idea how can I implement that idea and across my business and not copy it, but, you know, share the idea in my own style um, for my business. So, yeah, yeah, very much so. And it's not like about trying to create a brand of Clara Ho art. It's just if you like my art, I want people and like colour, I want people to be able to recognise it. And I guess, yeah, by placing your name next to it, um, yeah, you and yeah, I, I guess I'm, it helps that I'm not a shy, timid person because mm. I am rather outspoken and um, lively and social. So I, it it works with my branding as well. Yeah, so. yeah. So you touch on the uh, time lapse and sharing the process, and I want to talk about the show in a second, but there's like a lack of perfectionism kind of coming through. Like when you share a process, the thing is not quite done, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's maybe halfway done or there's paint everywhere or whatever. And I don't know because I'm not in the art world deep enough, but I would imagine that there could be a little bit of fear around that when you've got, you know, on the other side of it, the finished work Mm -hmm. and the thing hanging up on the wall. And that's the thing that people buy. Uh, was it easy for you to just share that process and the story of creating the art and sort of the the messiness behind the scenes? Was that something that came natural? Uh, I think it has come quite naturally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've just taken photos. I've always taken photos of my work uh, f- and, and not always. Sometimes I'm sort of at the end of a painting, I'm like, oh, I forgot to time-lapse this one. So it's not every piece, but... Uh, yeah, I, I try and take imagery of my work. Uh, it, it's also a learning curve for me because I go back and I'm like, oh, I don't like, I look at the picture and all see the, the painting I'm working on at the time. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. How am I going to change that? Mm. And yeah, I look back through past photos and of, of work that I have done to then teach myself how to transform it into something that I have liked or has worked or a particular colour around an eye or gold my, my new sort of technique of gold flaking slash um, foiling detail on my artworks, uh, which I really enjoy using. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I have, yeah, naturally been able to share my images. Mm. I think because I guess it would be different if I was, I don't know, um, a, a, I'm obviously interested in art, so I'm able to share that journey passionately. But if I was, for instance, just carpet cleaning, like I can't imagine there'd be too much content to share around carpet cleaning. I still, I reckon you could still create it. Who's the cleaner? What's their name? Like, do they have a, do they have a, 
you know, does the vacuum have certain quirks to it or something? That's true. Um, Do you know that famous ad, the Pro Heart ad? I don't know. No. If you weren't, yeah, your Kiwi, would you Yeah. There was an ad growing up, um, and I think I relate to it as well because it was of an artist. Pro Heart made this massive mess on a carpet and paints everywhere and then the ad was i can't even remember the remember the cleaning business but i remember that they were advertising this particular cleaning product then came through and cleaned the whole carpet and they're like oh pro heart what a mess and i remember so yeah you can um, create creative content around i guess cleaning a carpet yeah yeah the 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 tricky thing i think is it's not i think it can probably work for almost everything it's just not uh, natural for some people because mm-hmm. it's not the finished product. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, do I want to let people into the process? But then, because I want to talk about your your exhibition, to me that was like a big, like I could see the whole thing unfolding from the beginning. Yeah. And I was like, after a week or so, I'm like, I'm gonna go to this because I was like already into, I was already buying into the story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's. Uh, it's just, you know, maybe for people listening, like sometimes it's hard to share that process of what you're doing, but Claire's do, does it, you do it very well. And it's, it's really engaging because you know, the story, so you're kind of resonating with what's going on. You get kind of get this different sort of attachment to it versus the thing that's just done, you know? Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the conception of the idea for Zest and then... Mm-hmm and then specifically what was involved like the amount of work how much painting you had to do or did do uh what you like what was involved behind that because we saw the final thing your debut exhibition which was really cool but what what was involved behind that how did you make that decision and that vision for it and execute it mm-hmm. so i I kept getting asked from friends and from it then started to become a business not just about friends knowing me and you know other followers I guess on the socials would be like oh do you have a website do you have a show coming up and I would be I would be asked these questions regularly Mm -hmm. Uh, so it then prompted I guess the next step is a exhibit Uh, so never having done one before I then went exploring like on very base level different galleries around Newcastle I wanted to keep it local as well um so yeah I went exploring to a few different galleries around Newcastle to other people's opening nights um and I specifically came across this venue Smack Studios where I held my exhibit and when I went in it just had a very raw vibe a nice like a warehouse and inviting feel I didn't want like I'm not a pretentious stuck-up person so I didn't want to invite people into a space where it was all you know look you up and down what are you doing here how much money do you have type thing I didn't want that I wanted people to be able to come enjoy the experience enjoy the colorful art socialize have fun and be welcomed and not feel out of place um so yeah I just had a really good feeling when I went into smack and and the lady Tyler Dan that's also an artist but she's um the curator of that space and I met with her and she's lovely and helpful and beautiful and I just 
had a nice a nice connection with her so I was like okay what dates do you have available so it started from there yeah so the so the seeing of the space and like visualizing it being in there that was the tipping point where like green light I'm gonna do it yeah 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 so you needed to you had the idea but you kind of needed to see the space see how it would look yeah get the feel and then you're like yes I'm gonna make this work yeah yeah, yeah. and I think um in business it's also about, about connecting with the right people mm. that you connect with and I guess feel welcomed and feel the same energy with and I I got that from Tyler I even cold called her and saw that she'd recently done this I think I first inquired last December about it all and she'd done an event in Sydney where it was a exhibit um and I said oh do do you mind if I take a few minutes of your time just want to inquire I'm thinking of doing this next year was it helpful for you was it Mm. successful and just you know picked her brain about a few things and she was like of course happy to share anything um and then she was explaining that she had some ex studios I'm like oh I'll come and check out an exhibit there and it sort of all fell from there um however yeah so that so once I knew I had my venue locked in um, and, and there's a few other things to think about as well. Different galleries charge different commissions because at the end of the day, they yeah charge sort of some galleries charge up to fifty percent commission of your sales, mm. um, which is quite high. Um, so and then Smack uh, charge twenty five percent commission of your end of the sales from the event, um, which was yeah considerable, but it's yeah it's also part of the game of having an exhibit as well um but yeah so met with Tyler locked in the space and then worked out dates that were available had originally locked in a date um because I'm a yes person she's like there's one in six weeks time do you do you want that so yep done and then I sat back and two weeks later thought about I'm like I do not have enough work to be able to smash out enough um paintings in the six weeks and had them all framed and everything plus it was coming up to school holidays where it was all I'm a mum of three slash four um so it's yeah it's busy um there was that and then there was also um I knew to execute a show of what I wanted in my vision well I needed time to prepare for it and plan for it and get everything in place so I'm like six weeks for marketing no let's yeah. let what other dates are available so it ended up being um in may that's just passed but it ended up being about three and a half months of being able to plan for it yeah yeah which you know when we saw the end thing which had you know live music and uh obviously filled with art and then branding was projected up and like lights and filled with people like there's still not that much time mm-hmm what happened what had to happen on the back end uh or even if you take us through one or two of your days of like you know obviously because you've got family you've got things to do as well how are you producing all of this art and what did that look like to get it all ready in time yeah what what did it take i suppose so to produce all the art it um i had a few pieces that i'd sort of put aside yeah. from sort of towards the end of last year and had painted earlier on in the year in January. So I had a few pieces that I'd built up and uh, people would inquire about them like, oh, sorry, can't, I can't sell those. They need to be in my show because otherwise if I kept selling works, which is a good position to be in, you want to obviously sell your work. But then I, w- 
had quite a few inquiries of a few pieces as I would share my process of the videos. Oh, can I buy that? How much for sale? There's one artwork um, that I hadn't even finished painting. She's like, done, sold. I'm like, I haven't even finished it. Like, yeah. I want it. I said, well, that's great, but I need to include it in my show. Otherwise, I will not have enough body of works and will only have a few artworks on the wall. She's like, that's fine. I can wait till May and I'll, I'll buy it in May. So I guess little comments like that along the way reinforce that, okay, people like my stuff. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess when people do like your work, it's reinforcing and a little bit of a ego boost just to to reframe that you're on the right track, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I would continually do work in the background um, and some works I can smash out in a week from start to finish, but sometimes I work on some and come back to them months later. So there was a bit of both in the show. Um, but And then when I say a week, then there's also glazing time. And if I'm doing this new resin glaze, which I've sort of started to explore. That was at the exhibition, wasn't it? There was a few of those. Yeah, yeah not like all that. of them, but yeah. a few of them. Um, but yeah, it leaves a beautiful, just gloss-like, yeah. um, glass-like finish as well. It's... Yeah, then it's, it also sets it – anyway, I, I love the resin finish. But they basically pour, like pour an epoxy over the top or correct, something. Correct, yeah. yeah. But then epoxy needs the correct mixing of part A and B to yeah. make perfect. Otherwise, it's sticky and doesn't set and ruins your artwork. Yeah. Um, so there's that, but then there's also the, the curing time and make allowing the time for it to set. Um, and then because I work in quite big scale generally of big paintings – the space to actually let them sit i'm like i need mm. i can't then use that that desk for a week basically because it just needs to sit there without movement yeah so there's lots of things to think about which then makes me go down the path of needing a bigger space but don't yeah. want to get too big a boots before i'm ready for it as well um but yeah so would continually paint in saying that my kids i have shared care of my kids so they go to their dad's for a full week so it's week about so in this off weeks where i don't have kids I'm all systems go, can do late nights. There was one morning, actually, <laughs> there was one morning, I just wake up at 4am, which I often have ideas in my head, and wake up at 4am, couldn't get back to sleep, I'm like, I'm just going to go to the studio. I just felt like expressing myself and went in at 4am, put the tunes on, dancing around, like playing music slash painting, and unbeknown to me, I wasn't really thinking, I got a noise complaint later that morning because I was like blasting music, having fun. And this mum came in from the next door neighbour. She's like, oh, my daughter has COVID and she's really unwell. And she just said she, there was music blasting from <laughs> early in the morning. I'm like, I am so sorry. I, you know, I wish you told me then and there I would have stopped it. But now I have a Bluetooth headset that looks like I'm at a silent disco, just dancing around by myself. But um, yeah, so I, I paint when I can. I paint... Sometimes four in the morning, sometimes midnight, sometimes I, I like to only paint when I have a solid couple of hours ahead of me as well because mm. I hate stop starting. Um, and then in the weeks leading up to the show as well, when I've, I was starting to stress going, ah, it's only a few weeks away, I need to finish so many things, um, My I'd still have the kids on the the other week and then so my partner Cade would come home from work tag team me put the kids to bed and I'd go in and work till midnight so I'd, I'd be there during the day but then need to do leave at 2 30 get school pick up afternoon activities dinner all that then go back for a night yeah. session yeah it just so it takes work doesn't it yeah just yeah. no matter what 
takes a lot of work. And uh, my one question, do you think, are you thinking in terms of I need to finish, you know, like in, in work, we can think about time mm. or we can think about production, like, like I need to finish this book or I need to proofread this by this time or I mm-hmm. need to get this painting done. Or, you know, the other way is, oh, well, I, I did three or four hours or I worked a full day today. Uh, are you thinking in terms of I need to finish this work, this painting, like as the output side? Uh, and then time, you're just fitting in wherever you can, kind of going not as fast as possible, but getting the work in wherever you can in order to produce the work. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And I think that's where I found it having never done a show before challenging to manage my time around all that because at the end of the day whatever is on the wall if I only had two artworks on the wall and they were great artworks um like people don't know what they're coming to see Mm. it's just like so I'm putting pressure on myself at one stage it was sort of a week before and I was doing a run like a you know an excel spreadsheet of all the artworks that i'm putting in and the sizes and spaces so i could measure it out in the wall and that we had enough wall space um and then i realized at that point that i'm like i have to physically stop painting i cannot get anything else on these walls they're chock-a-block so okay it wasn't until that moment hit that i'm like i am full to the brim nothing else will actually fit in this space unless i start putting things on easels and not on walls which i didn't want mm. um so I guess I'm my own boss and can manage my whatever output I wanted to put in the show, but I guess I wanted to get as many works as possible to give a good representation of my style of work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I love that so much. I think in so many cases, you know, the quality is important, but if you if you have output as like an underlying foundation, you build quality over time, you know, mm-hmm. like it comes over over practice and it's easy to not put out much or or not put out enough by focusing. I'm thinking more so like in, you know, whether it's email marketing or these kinds of things where it's like, you can really get focused on, uh, you know, the quality of the piece and kind of get hung up on it. But if you just produce, you have an itch, right? Because you have more to choose from. You have, Mm choice you have practice you have like all of this stuff that comes into play yeah um and in saying that i there's quite a few pieces that i looked at i'm like oh, i don't want to put them in the show they yeah don't sort of talk to other pieces and i don't like them anymore so i don't want to put things even though it's new eyes for people that have never seen it before mm. i wasn't proud of it so i didn't want to put something forward that i didn't like yeah at high school uh both my older sister and myself we both did art painting and uh my older sister her wiring at that time and still is high volume output Mm -hmm. and so i remember they used to do this thing at the end where you were graded so in your final year right you had to produce your like your body of work and it would go up on a wall and they took photos of all of the paintings send it away and you were marked and she I would say produced 150 paintings. Something. Wow. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Now only eight were on the wall or nine. And so what happened at the end of the year, her and the art teacher, this guy Alistair went through and they're like, no, 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 no. Yes. No, no. And what I did is I did like the eight paintings. I mm-hmm. just did the min- the thing, the amount that you were supposed to do to, um, 
to submit it or whatever. And I was working on the last day on the eighth painting and then hung it up. And, you know, obviously she destroyed in terms of like the grade or whatever. She killed it because with so much volume, they were able to come in and just pick the right one. And it just, I could see, oh, okay. You know, it wasn't about me toiling over that one little thing for the next like two weeks. Um, There was something in that, uh, whether or not that's, you know, applicable at this point, who knows, but it was interesting Mm -hmm. to see like, oh yeah, you can just go for it. And it gives you a different level of freedom to choose what works and learn from it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Okay, cool. So is there anything else, you know, you had the, the music, the Papalo gelato, you, you, there was a sense of, um, uh, before the event, a feeling that there was already pre-sold art. Mm-hmm. And so you created a sense of demand for the work coming into yeah. it. And I guess part of that as well was on my negotiations with Tyler as well. I said, well, a couple of these pieces have already sold. So do you get, you know, a 25% of, cu- of the cut if I actually hang these and put them in the show? She's like, oh no, if you've already sold them, I honor that. Um, and that's obviously your, yeah, your sales. Um, but then it sparked a sort of ignition in my mind going, well, if I can sell more before the show, let's try and do that so I can try and save a 25% mm. cut. So I'd sold, then people, I then created a pre-sales list of, um, yeah, people would be inquiring. I'm like, well, here's a list. If you like anything, secure it before the opening night and it's yours. Um, yeah, but it, it created a bit of a demand, you're mm. right. Um, But I guess something else to touch on was that I wanted to create, obviously having no experience in the art world whatsoever, um, but calling on past um, lives of hospitality and fashion days of throwing an event. I wanted it to be memorable. Yeah. Um, And like there's that whole saying, do it once, do it well. Like I didn't want it to be this half-assed Blending in with other... Yeah, yeah. I wanted it to be an experience. Um, So I started with the idea of the invite. Um, So the invite was just a... Obviously, you you received one, you're a newbie, but it was a... um, Firstly, a a five little colourful, like, cardboard um, designed invite. And then I'm like, oh, that's... Yeah, it's cool, but how can I make it better? Um, so I had this idea in the middle of the night that I'm like, how cool would it be if I got branded balloons? Um, and I originally thought I was going to get all different colored balloons and then I'm like, oh, um, then I, yeah, explored the path of getting balloons made with my logo on it. And then I came across, um, the ones that had sequins, uh, confetti inside, sorry, not sequins. Um, I'm like, done. Like, as soon as I saw that, I just, I'm like, that's how I'm going to do it. So um, which was great and I got them made and then there was a minimum quantity that I had to commit to to actually fulfill the order. I'm like, what am I going to do with 500 balloons? Oh, well, just commit to it and I can use them for future events or put them aside. And then I've actually, my partner gave me the idea of every time you deliver an artwork now, deliver it with a helium balloon and it's a point of difference. Mm. I'm like, I love it. Great yeah. idea. Um, so yeah, I will ongoingly use these balloons, but so the idea of the helium balloon attached to the invite, um, yeah, was, uh, just a idea that I had then executed and got them made up. And then 
uh, hip problems when I had to keep going back to um, the helium supplier to go and I didn't realize how much helium they actually needed and I had to go and hire three helium tanks in the end. So it ended up being a costly invite to, to deliver, but in my mind, it sort of set the scene of it's going to be fun, it's going to be colourful and mm. um, it got people excited, it got people talking, which is the whole point of yeah. having an event. To yeah, and then I saw when people would buy the art, there was a lot of uh, social media shots I remember seeing where people would like pop the helium balloons yeah. to celebrate it. So you kind of had that like little, uh, you know, ritual yeah. happen and then that was getting shared on social media and so I thought that was quite good as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, a new little ritual when, and when something was selling at the art show, I'd go and pop it and they're like, yeah. ah, and yeah. that's, um, yeah, it, it creates a bloody big mess. <laughs> But it's, um, I also leave little sprinkles of me everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) Betrayal. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, I think, uh, you know, that's a great, a lot of information and a lot of insight, I think, for people listening. Uh, You know, this is the world of art. But to me, like, you know, if you're, if you're, it doesn't really matter what you're in. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, it's your art, right? That's the way I think about it. It's like you know, how can you make things, uh, one that lights you up, but the production, the work ethic, then the marketing and creating the events, like it's all applicable to anything. Like you're drawing from your whole life experience to do what you do now. Mm-hmm. Other people can take those insights and look at their own thing and see how they can apply that kind of stuff as well. Is there anything else you want to add for people listening? Maybe people on the fence with their thing or you know uh who might be getting started anything like that um i think the the moment that i let go of the safety net of a secure job secure income and just followed my passion things have fallen into place um has been a liberating feeling that I think if you have enough drive and enough passion about what you do, you're able to go and achieve it and you have to sort of let go of of that safety net to make it happen basically because otherwise you're always going to be dragged back to, um, you know, working for someone else, doing the grind, doing the hard work for someone else. And I think I'm grateful that I've had, I guess, the upbringing that I've had of parents in business and, you know, chasing their own goals and yeah basically working for yourself you know the sky's the limit basically Mm. so I have I have worked numerous times for other other people um but I like it and it's particularly at this point in my life as well with children and the balance of everything I can't see me working for someone else it's it's too hard basket trying like I want to be at my children's events of the sports carnival their you know music recital I want to be there I don't want to be asking for time off for an hour Mm. here and there I just want to be able to run my own race and that's what I'm able to do by having my own business and pursuing my own passions yeah just do it yeah the whole Nike slogan just just do do it it. yeah (laughs) yeah is there anywhere we'll put your your uh website and website there isn't one yet it's coming (laughs) it's coming it's close isn't it it's close yeah it's close okay well we'll put your social media then into the show notes but is there any other events or things coming up or places you'd like to point people to 
Um, things coming up. The exciting one. I'm actually off to Croatia in two weeks' time, trying to lock down my passport in that in that interim. And there's a debacle trying to get them all in time. But anyway, um, I am going to be on a super yacht in Croatia in two weeks' time. And we'll be doing live painting session, which will have a videographer and everything on board. So I'm mm-hmm. excited by that opportunity. Um, so that's a week. And then I'm actually spending another week just traveling um, and utilizing the experience of being over there. Yeah. But um, that's, I guess, more of a, I think it'll be an exciting uh, experience to share with people coming up. But I have no other further events locked in. There is talk about collaborating with another artist and sharing a space in August to do um, a little mini art show. So I have to check my timelines to see how much art I'd be able to produce to commit to that. Um, But that's potentially in August. And then, yeah, website, I hope to – I've been saying it for months. (laughs) But I think on the back end of things, it's not as simple as – because mine's an e-commerce site as yeah, well, you'd be able to purchase prints. online. Yeah. There's a lot of, and I want it to look visual. I just don't want to launch it without all the imagery of how I've, I'm a very big visualizer and I want it to look exactly how, like a professional, a profession, what is it? Perfectionist in that department. Like I want things to look a certain way and I yeah. don't want to go live without it. So um, there's been a lot of toing and froing of perfecting images. Um, but yeah, the website will be coming um hopefully i now don't really want to launch until i'm back from overseas because yeah. people are ordering and i'm not here to yeah go and fulfill the order um and that'll be for prints that'll be for prints i'll also be putting originals on there as well okay and so, then commissions are you still doing yes so i have had six commissions from the event as well uh-huh. so i've got six commissions in motion and then a prior four which i said so i've got 10 commissions on the mo at the moment so that will definitely keep me busy. Uh, yeah, so I've got a lot of work in motion. Um, I think I find it most freeing when I don't have commissions and I can do whatever I feel like. And if people like it, they like it and buy it. Um, but yeah, not. I'm also working towards a art trade fair in Sydney in September. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also, I actually got approached by a lady yesterday, local lady who's running the little festivals in Newcastle and she wants me to assist and collaborate with her in um, potentially getting other artists on board to um, activate small spaces down in the Newcastle precinct, yeah, um, which is early October. So it's there's big picture festival, and then it it's not that it's separate. That's little festival, which then has smaller walls and smaller activations. So cool. yeah, so I'm working. I guess well, yeah, needing to buckle down and work out what how I'm going to assist with that so there's a few things in motion which is exciting yeah okay well uh, thank you so much for sharing all of that as gold and if you're listening to the episode and you found it helpful send it along to someone else who you think might enjoy it and of course if you want to you can subscribe to the podcast that's the most helpful thing you can do for us and we'll see you on the next episode thanks so much Leah you're welcome thanks John